we stand in your presence this morning. Lord, knowing this, that you are our source and our strength, very present help in the time of trouble. You are ever near us. You never forsake us. You never leave us. But Lord, you do go before us and you do stand beside us. And Father, today we take great refuge in that. Lord, today as we stand in the house of prayer today, I pray that every need would be met. I pray that every heart would be encouraged. Every life would be touched with the healing hand of God. I pray this morning that the one that may be discouraged, that they would leave encouraged because of your presence and because of the proclamation of your word. Today, Father, I ask as we come to the time of this service of the proclamation of your word that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would have for us today. Lord, this is not just an ordinary time. It's not just another message. But Lord, there's a Claritin call going to your people today all across this globe. Father, I pray that we respond in a manner that will bring you glory and honor. That will take us into a place where your Holy Spirit will begin to rest upon us in a fresh manner where the world will begin to see your glory. Lord, today, inhabit the praise of your people in this house. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Those of you that's going to class, feel free to do so at this time. To those that are joining us by way of live stream this morning, I say a very special welcome to you. We are honored to be able to come into your home or wherever you may be joining us today. Let me say a special hello to those in Michigan that join us faithfully every week, those in Kentucky that join us every week, and those in Texas. Uh, may the Lord bless you today, and uh, we just pray that you feel the presence of the Lord where you are this morning as well. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning, and I will be there in just a few moments of time in Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis chapter number 32. I'm going to do my best uh, to share with you what God has placed on my heart. Last week, we, we did a little bit more teaching than preaching, I, I feel, and and maybe today a little bit the same at the beginning, but if you stay with me, I, I, I believe we'll end this morning in a very, uh, very good place, all right? And uh, as I shared with you last Sunday, uh, let me just revisit that for a moment. We talked about divine healing, and I do believe this morning that with every fiber in me that we are in a time and a season where God is desiring to bring 
a hand of healing back to his people. He does not want you to be stricken. He does not want you to be full of disease and sickness uh, physically, nor does he want you to be uh, troubled mentally and emotionally. And uh, today you and I have the ability to walk in complete wholeness by and through the shed blood of the cross of Calvary. And uh, Isaiah 53 makes it very clear. He was wounded for our transgressions. I'm not going to re-preach that or teach that today. But by his stripes we were healed. Meaning that it's been done. It's an accomplished fact. Uh, but in order for us to really tap into the things that God would have for us. We have got to make sure that we understand that he has provided a way uh, for us not to talk to him but to talk with him and we today have failed especially in the western hemisphere to pass the baton of prayer to a generation smith wigglesworth said this he said i don't often spend more than a half hour in prayer at one time but i never go more than a half hour without praying Hear me. Okay, I want to make sure we're listening this morning, okay? My, my pastor friend, some of you may know him, Brother James Setzer, he had this to say just a few years ago. This is a quote from him. I believe the church is under demonic attack at an unprecedented level. Our entire culture is one of ungodliness, Demonic influence is unleashed against principles that were once a given among Christians as well as non-believers. Prayer is the weapon that enables the church to combat these demonic forces. How many believes that to be true? Now, I don't want you to answer this, but I am going to ask you this question. How much time did you spend in prayer this week? Okay, for a few moments today, I'm going to deal with persevering in prayer. To persevere simply means to continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty. I believe this morning it's safe to say that we find ourselves in a season of intense spiritual resistance, or we could say a time of intense spiritual warfare. This should not discourage us, however, as men and women of faith. It should, however, motivate us as the church to engage and to become the salt and the light that we have been called to be. You may ask, why is that? Let me give you Matthew chapter 5 very quickly, verse 10 through 16. Just keep your finger at Genesis 32. We will be there in a moment. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thence therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trotted under foot of men. You are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Can I tell you this morning, just because we find ourselves in the face of great difficulty does not give us the right or the permission to be silent, but it does ring true that it is a time in which we must stand and persevere. Every day we are witnessing a generation been torn to shreds by evil while we are been continually told that we are the problem. As I look at the world around me today, I often feel overwhelmed. I'll be that transparent and honest with you by the task that I see that's before me. But then I'm reminded of this following scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now I could preach right there, but I got to contain myself just for a moment. The Bible shows us the necessity of prayer. Listen, I can teach you ABC frontwards and backwards when it comes to spiritual things. But if we fail to teach a generation how to pray, we have failed a generation. The Bible tells us, and you have heard me quote this, read this, Hundreds of times, but please indulge me and let me read it one more time in your hearing. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, who's his people? Who's his people? I don't know if you're convinced of that yet. Who's his people? All right. Which are called by his name. If they'll humble themselves and do what? If they shout. If they sing, if they feed the hungry, if they clothe them, no, if they pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice, the Bible does not stop there. Please stay with me. The Bible also shows us that prayer is not an option. Isaiah 56 and 7 says, For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. His house, let me remind you, while this is a house that is designated for worship, this is not where he lives. This is his house. That means he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Meaning this, this vessel is to be a vessel that is a vessel of prayer. It goes further, Isaiah, I mean, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, we are to pray without ceasing. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 and 8 that all men everywhere are to pray. Let me just make this very clear. All still means all. Just because the world says white is black and black is white does not mean that Things have changed in the scope of God's word. When he says all, it still means 
all. That means you are not exempt. I am not exempt from being a house of prayer. All men everywhere are to pray. It also shows us what our attitude is to be in prayer. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that we should pray in faith. Why is that? But without faith, it is what? It is impossible to please him. To the one that comes to God must believe that he is God and he is a what? A rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Goes a little further. James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 says that we should pray without wavering. What does that mean? It means you and I cannot be double-minded men and women. But we have to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? It's because when we are steadfast, we become men and women that is able to experience the blessing and the favor of God. Here in America, we have failed to pass the greatest weapon to this generation. We have, unfortunately, started many programs, and many of them are good, but yet we failed to pass the baton that will allow a generation to walk in victory. The generation before us, they may not have had everything by the world's standard, but they had power, and they had ability, and they had authority. Can I tell you right now, if there's ever been a time that we walked with power and authority, it is now. Because there is a generation that's dying and going to hell, and we do not have the ability to save them because we are a prayerless people. Allow me to remind you what prayer is. Prayer is simply the bending of the will of man before God to admit that man is in need of him. Read Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and you'll find that to be true. Prayer also is simply this. It is rendering homage to an all-wise and benevolent father. We find in Psalms 108, verse 5, the following. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. Can I tell you, he deserves to be exalted today. And as I mentioned earlier, prayer is not talking to God, but prayer is simply talking with God. We find that we are in a season, please hear me this morning, where we must not just pray, but that we must return to a place where we began to persevere in prayer. As I was meditating and spending some time alone with the Lord, the Lord just drop this in my spirit. He said, when my people persevere in prayer, they position themselves to prevail. Let me say that again. He said, when my people began to persevere in prayer, they position themselves to prevail. When someone prevails, it means that they succeed. It means that they prove to have superior strength or authority. This morning, let me take us now to a place in Scripture. Genesis chapter 32, if you want to turn there. We're going to look at the life of Jacob just for a few moments. Jacob, we find in 32, 
beginning in verse number 24, be there in just a moment, he is prevailing in prayer. But before we get there, let us go back and look at his life very quickly. We know that Jacob, his meaning of his name is that of a deceiver. We know that he stole the birthright of his brother Esau. We know that when he was dispelled or sent out from the promised land that he had nothing. He simply had a staff. That was it. His father said, you cannot take a wife here, but you need to go unto your mother's family. And he went to Laban. And as he was there, we know that he stayed with Laban for 20 years. He was there, and as he first arrived, he saw Rachel, whom he loved. And he thought he was going to work and labor for seven years, but he was deceived by Laban, and therefore he received Leah. He then worked another seven years, and he got Rachel. Then he worked another six years, and he received cattle. And we find that he began to walk in a place of blessing and favor. But then you find that his brother-in-law began to look at him and said this, Everything that my father has had, Jacob now possesses. And Jacob began to hear, and he said, then he began to look at Laban. He said, Laban no longer looks at me in the manner that he did before. And he calls Rachel and Leah, and he says, listen. He said, the angel of the Lord has come to me. And he's told me that it is time for me to go back to the land of my father. It's time for me to return back to the place of promise. He said, all of these things, he has a big conversation. They said, do what's in your heart to do. He begins to take a journey. He begins to take his wives, his children. He takes all of his cattle. And as he begins to leave three days ahead, we find he's got a three-day head start. Then Laban realizes that he's gone. Laban begins to pursue after him and catches up with him seven days later because of the simple fact when he began to realize there was some of his idols was gone. Now, Rachel, the one that Jacob loved, had stolen them and put them away. And he comes and he is confronted by Laban, his father-in-law. And he simply says, why are you pursuing me in this manner? I have not taken anything. But notice this. He simply said, if there is somebody in my company that has done it, let them basically be cursed to death. And we find that Rachel, after her father comes into the tent where she is, she has put those idols and she set them in the camel's furniture. I'm going to preach a message on that, just not today. Be careful what you're setting on and be careful what you have with you and what you're traveling with, all right? And we find as she was setting on there, she says, it's not proper, proper for me to get up, Father. Please excuse me. And he looks, finds nothing. And then we find that they continue on their journey. But then the word of the Lord comes to Jacob again. We find in, in chapter number 32, Jacob went on his way, and it says, and the angels of God met him. Now, Jacob then sends messengers before himself to Esau, his brother. And he says, I want to send some things, and I want to pave the way because he's, he was fearful of Esau, and he wanted to be received by Esau. And he simply said that I've come uh, to find grace in your sight. And he begins to send and divide his people because of the simple fact they returned and said this, we went and told Esau, your brother, but he's returned with 400 men and he wants to see you. He was full of uncertainty, full of doubt, 
not knowing what was getting ready to happen. And then he begins to dispatch everyone in every direction. And then we come to verse number 24. And it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Now, I want to stop right there for a few moments. You could also read in Hosea chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, the same account of what I just shared with you in chapter 32. But notice these two verses. It says, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. What am I saying this morning? Jacob paints a picture of what happens when man prevails in prayer. Notice the angel of the Lord comes. He grabs a hold of Jacob. Jacob begins to wrestle and struggle. And when the angel of the Lord was not able to prevail over him, he then touches his flesh. He breaks the mold, so to speak. He touches the hollow of his thigh. And then some men believe that after his flesh was touched, after he felt and experienced the brokenness of God, then no longer did he wrestle in the manner that he did prior to that, but he simply wrapped his arms around him and began to weep and began to make supplication and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. What he was simply saying is this, I went out empty, but I'm not going back in the way that I came. And we find that in that very moment that what happened, because Jacob prevailed in prayer, the angel of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, he simply asked him, what is your name? He said, well, I'm Jacob. What he was simply saying is, well, I'm a deceiver. And the Lord said, no, because you prevailed in prayer, I am now giving you a new identity. And your identity now, you are going to be known as Israel, which is walking with the promise and the favor of God. He said, you went out as a deceiver, but I'm about to let you go back in as somebody that is favored, that has power, that has authority because you have experienced the brokenness and now you're going in. You might be going in with a limp, Jacob, but you're about to go in limping with power and authority. Can I tell you, we have to go back to this. I don't have time to go through all of this this morning, but you 
you got to go back to the very first visitation uh, where the Lord says to him, uh, it's time to go back. It's time to leave uh, Laban's house uh, and to go back to the promise. Uh, I'm going to tell somebody this morning, uh, you can tell me traditional, you can call me an old fogey. I don't care what you call me this morning, uh, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, all of the entertainment, uh, all of the glitz, uh, all of the glamour, all of the garbage that we've done for the last 30 years uh, has not brought revival to a generation, uh, but we have buried them prematurely. Uh, but when somebody will go back uh, and begin to prevail, God is calling us back. Uh, you don't have to go back to tradition, uh, but you got to go back to the foundation. Uh, and the foundation is uh, his house uh, is still a house of prayer. Uh, you want to see revival? Uh, lay before the Lord. Uh, you want to see your children delivered? Uh, lay before the Lord. Uh, you want to see a community changed? Uh, lay before the Lord. Uh, you want your nation to serve God? Uh, lay before the Lord. Uh, I'm not talking about a 30 second prayer, uh, but I'm talking about somebody uh, travailing uh, in the presence of God. Uh, listen, uh, we got to make a change in this hour. Somebody's got to persevere. I know it's difficult, uh, but listen, my friend. Uh, you got to know what it means to wrestle with God. Uh, you got to get insight this morning uh, into the spiritual world uh, and how it operates. Uh, you and I have got to aspire uh, to transition uh, from a place of just a baby Christian uh, and get to a place where we're at a warrior level. Uh, and we do that uh, when we persevere in prayer. Uh, you got to get off the bottle. Uh, and you got to begin to eat the meat uh, because God needs somebody to walk with strength this morning. Jacob is not the only one that we see that prevailed in prayer. Can I tell you, you say, well, do I really need to do that for revival? Absolutely. Habakkuk the prophet simply said this in chapter number one, verse number one. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, he said this, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? Anybody ever just felt like he didn't hear? Listen, the prophet said, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? He said, even crying to thee out of violence. What he was saying is this, he said, I become violent in my prayer. He said, I've become so engaged. I've just become violent in calling the things of God. But then you go to the next chapter and he simply says this, in the midst of his weariness, in the midst of his not knowing, in verse number one of chapter two, he says, but I will stand upon my watch. What he was saying is, just because I'm not seeing it naturally, I am not going to be moved from where I'm supposed to be. There's a lot of things you may not see in the natural. But even when you don't see it, he's working. Can I tell you this morning, while you're sitting here, there's some things that's shifting. 
There's some things that's moving. Everybody says, oh, it's all over, preacher. No, it's all just now getting ready to begin uh, because God's about to be glorified. Uh, He's about to be exalted. Uh, He's about to be lifted up. Can I tell you this morning, uh, I will stand by every word that I have declared from this platform uh, for the last few months uh, and the last few years. Uh, God is about to do something in the earth uh, and somebody uh, just needs to persevere in prayer. Uh, I do not apologize uh, for standing up on the infallible word of God. Uh, It has not changed, uh, therefore I will not change. Uh, He is still the ultimate authority. Uh, He is still able to deliver, heal, and set free. Uh, And that's exactly what he is going to do in the earth in this season. Habakkuk goes on and simply says this in verses two and three. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and it shall not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. See, Habakkuk was wrestling with God. He was saying, God, I need a revival in the nation. I need a revival in the nation. The Lord says, I'm going to move, but yet they didn't see. They didn't see that it, he said, listen. Write it down, make it plain. He said, because it will surely come. I want to say to you this morning, there's some things that God has spoken. I'm just trying to make it plain for you this morning. At an appointed time. Not man's time, not my time, not your time, but at his appointed time. He said, it will not lie. His word is going to come to pass. Notice. You say, but but it's just so hard sometimes, preacher. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ himself knows the weight of persevering in prayer. How do I know that to be true? Is if you turn in your Bibles to Luke, chapter number 22, verse 41 through 44, you'll read these words. And he, Jesus, was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and he knelt down, and he prayed. Notice what he says. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven. Oh, if we could get this picture. And it strengthened him. But notice, and been in agony. Let me pause here for a moment. He hadn't been to Pilate's Hall yet, he hadn't been beaten, he hadn't been mocked. He hadn't even been portrayed yet with a kiss from Judas. But he was in agony in his spirit. 
And then in agony, he prayed more earnestly. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus began to persevere in prayer. We find all throughout his earthly life that very early in the morning, he would get up before it was yet dawn, and he would pray. He was a man of prayer, but we never see where he prayed in this manner before. But there was something getting ready to change, and he realized it had to require earnest prayer. He he had foreknowledge of what was getting ready to take place. And therefore it pushed him to a place of persevering prayer. I want to say this this morning. It is by and through the Holy Ghost that we have been given foreknowledge of what's about to come. And that's why some of you are feeling pressed to go to prayer. Because God is releasing things in your spirit that you may not mentally understand, but spiritually God is preparing you because something's getting ready to change. Don't ignore it, but begin to persevere in it. And as he began to persevere, he earnestly prayed. Notice his sweat was as it was great drops of blood falling to the ground. Think about it. Your Lord, your Savior, sweating, great drops of blood persevering in prayer. What was he praying? Why was he praying in this manner? It's because we find that he had made this statement. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But he was simply saying, your will be done, Lord, concerning my life because of the life's of those that are to come after me. He was persevering in prayer because of you and because of me. Think about it. If he was willing to do that for you and I, should not we also be willing to do it for a generation that's dying lost? Should we not also be willing to do it for nations that is in need of healing and deliverance from demonic strongholds today? Stay with me, which brings me to where I really want to be today, you and I. We must begin to once again start praying beyond ourselves in the American church. Romans 8, let me give you 22 through 25, and then we'll go 26 and 27. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit the redemption of our body. For we were saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But... If we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now notice, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
But now let me give you Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Just like Jacob prevailed, just like Habakkuk prevailed, just like Jesus prevailed, you and I have to get to a place where we begin to prevail in prayer. But you and I do not have the ability to do it in the flesh. This is where we find ourselves today. We are powerless and we walk without authority because we have did everything to remove not just the cross from the sanctuary in America, but we have did everything to remove the Holy Ghost from the setting. If you would have removed the Holy Spirit out of the early church of Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and the following, you would find that 95% of what they accomplished would not have been accomplished because it was all by the Holy Spirit. Today in America and other places around the globe, we look around, the Holy Spirit is absent from most sanctuaries, and we still do 95% of what we do without any resistance. Something is wrong. And what we find ourselves in, you may ask, what are you really saying, Pastor? What I'm really saying is this. There has to be a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And I'm not just talking about a holiness denomination or a Pentecostal denomination, but I'm talking about every denomination out there, whether it be Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever, every place that there is a man or woman of God that has put their trust in him, they need to experience an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Not so that they can speak in an unknown tongue or give an interpretation. No, I'm not talking. About, that's part of it. So that we can walk in power, walk in authority, as well as to operate in a manner where we are walking and operating the knowledge of the Spirit. Because can I tell you today, you may ask, why is it so important? Because right now, we are not wrestling with God. Because after the cross, his grace and his mercy, it says he freely gives. We don't have to wrestle with God. But we are wrestling against demonic strongholds this morning. As I shared with you last week, some of the hindrances to our prayers, yes, is sin and unforgiveness and all of these things. But one of the things that I hit on for a few moments was that of demonic resistance, satanic resistance. I have to say this this morning. Please hear me. We are wrestling against Satan himself and his kingdom. He is not moved this morning by you and I sitting in this sanctuary. He could care less if we fed our neighbors this week while we should. He could care less that we clothed the naked and fed the hungry. He could care less that we was kind to the poor, even though we're instructed to do all of those things, and we should do those things. But that does not move or frighten the enemy. What does frighten him, however, is when we become the house of prayer that God has called us to be. 
Because when we began to persevere in prayer, we began to realize that Ephesians 6 and 12 is real. Let me give it to you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These four offices of authority within the kingdom of darkness must be dealt with not five years from now, not five months from now, not five days from now, but now. Hear me. This is probably one of the most important words that I've ever given to you. And I don't want you to miss this today. This means we must once again make a choice to begin to be men and women that persevere in prayer. We do this, please hear me, by returning to a place of complete surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit and refusing to let him go. We must teach a generation, young adults in this room, teenagers in this room, hear me. You have to begin to persevere in prayer. And you do that by yielding to the infilling of the Holy Ghost in your life. We must move beyond our own vocabulary and begin to allow the Spirit of God to infill us so he can pray through us. Notice, these four types of demonic opponents of ours is very real. Principalities. What is a principality? Let me give them to you very quickly. Principality is this. It is demons of the first rank in Satan's kingdom. Why is this important? Notice Ephesians 1, 21. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. We see that Jesus Christ is set above them. But we find that principalities is demons of the first rank in Satan's kingdom. Powers, however, is the second rank, which is with delegated authority from that of principalities. It's that which is handed off and says, we commission you to go and to fulfill this area. So therefore, we find in Galatians 2 and 10, it tells us and that you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. What he's saying is this, we are complete, we are able to walk in authority above principalities and powers if we walk with Christ. Now, but you also find that we're not just wrestling against Satan, but we're wrestling against principalities, we're wrestling against... Uh, powers, but then it goes further. It says, world rulers of darkness. What is this? Demons that seek to control the world through rulers and through governments. It is where there is demonic activity where men and women, please hear me, some have yielded to the demonic powers of hell And they are even possessed with demonic authority, while others are used and oppressed by demonic authority. Therefore, 
you and I have to realize that when you see the craziness of our world, it is not the mere intellect of men or the stupidity of men, but it is simply that of demonic origin. Everybody with me? And then we find spiritual wickedness. Please hear me. Your family is not the problem. The individual's is not the problem. But spiritual wickedness is demonic influence that seeks to work through individuals and families and even certain groups, even churches. Hear me. This is real. Now, if we're ever going to go beyond, if we're ever going to walk in victory and experience the release and go to where God wants us to be, we're going to have to learn how to fight in a successful manner against principalities, against powers, against world rulers of darkness, as well as spiritual wickedness. You are not going to do that with a lay-me-down-to-sleep prayer. You are not going to do that by singing a song. You are not going to do that by listening to a message. You will only be able to successfully do that when... You come to a place where you begin to persevere in prayer. Now, there are going to be those that come along and tell you it don't really require all of that. But my friend Darren Ward made this statement. Never allow someone, no matter who the someone is, never allow someone with no passion for God or his presence to tell you that your hunger for more of him is misplaced and unnecessary. We'll tell you something. If there's ever been a time you needed more, it's now. If there's ever a time that you needed to walk with victory, it's now. If there's ever a time you needed joy unspeakable and to be full of glory, it's now. If you ever was a time in your life that you needed to be salt and light to a generation, it's now. If there's ever been a time that we needed revival fire in America, it's now. If we ever needed a time for governments to be toppled and men and women to be removed, it's now. Why? It's because of the intensity of demonic influence that we're dealing with right now. And listen, we can call another meeting, we can call another conference, all of those things, uh, and we're going to have a good time. Uh, We're going to celebrate the goodness of God, but we're still going to bury a generation. But if I can get somebody to seclude themselves once again and begin to be the voice that comes out of the register vents of their home and begin to say, oh God, and begin to groan and travail and to allow the Spirit of God to rise up out of them and begin to be what God has called them to be. Can I tell you, darkness will turn today. Sorrow will turn to joy. A garment of praise will be given and a spirit of heaviness will be removed. Uh, Why? It's because when somebody begins to pray in the spirit again, uh, things begin to change. Uh, You say, does it really take that? 
Absolutely. Uh, John 16, you find these words. Uh, verse number 12 through the following. Uh, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Uh, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Uh, and the Lord brought me back to this. And he said, I've got many things uh, that I want to say to my children, but they cannot yet bear them now uh, because they have yet to experience the infilling uh, of my spirit. Let me read. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, uh, he will guide you into all truth, uh, for he shall not speak of himself, uh, but whatsoever he shall hear, uh, that shall he speak, uh, and he will show you things to come. Uh, he shall glorify me, uh, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Uh, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Can I preach for like 30 seconds and tell you right now uh, that God's trying to get you back to a place uh, where the Holy Ghost can infill you with power and bring you revelation knowledge uh, because there's some things that he's released in the heavenlies uh, that's already been given to the Holy Ghost uh, and he's just waiting, uh, wanting to deposit it into your life, uh, but he can't uh, because you can't handle it in the natural. Uh, but when you begin to get into the spirit, uh, you begin to to pray in the spirit oh my help comes I'm about to feel my help right now cause can I tell you the world says it's over but God says I'm about to step in I'm about to show up listen don't you be worried about what you don't know just know this God is still God he is still the beginning he is still the end he is still your healer he's still your deliverer he is still the one that makes a way when there seems to be no way. He is still the giver of life. He is still the bright and morning star. He is still the rose of Sharon. He is still a blind man healer. He is still a sea walker. He is still everything that you have need of this morning. Somebody ought to give him a shout of praise right there. I gotta tell somebody that there's more. There's more anointing, there's more revelation, there's more healing, there's more deliverance, there's more salvation. Listen, there is governments that's about to be toppled. There is men that's about to be removed. There is men and women that's about to be exposed at a greater level. But out of the midst of all of it, there is a rising up of the remnant and God is gonna be glorified. Stand to your feet this morning. Stand to your feet this morning. What am I saying this morning is this. You've got to begin to pray in the spirit. You've got to begin to persevere. You say, I, uh, that's just not me, preacher. Listen, you've got to pray beyond your vocabulary. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Uh, oh, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. My prayer is that some of you begin to groan this week. But not only do you have to pray beyond your vocabulary, 
As they come to the keyboard this morning, you've got to begin to pray beyond your mental ability. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. What works in us? The Spirit. He's moving. Hear me today. There's a world that's hurting. There's a world that's dying. There's a world that's struggling. The intellect of men is not able to fix it. It's not able to remedy it. It's not able to bring peace to it. There is only one hope today. There is only one answer today. His name is Jesus. There are those of you under the sound of my voice that you've, you know exactly what I'm speaking of today. You've been in a state of turmoil, uncertainty, unrest. Your bodies have been attacked. Your mind has been attacked. Your emotions are a mess. You've read your Bible. You've said your prayer. You've come to the house of God, but yet there's no answer. There's no release. There's no there's no change. To you, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've had to deal with the church that has refused to persevere in prayer because no man, no woman should ever have to walk into the house of God and leave the same way they came. But also say this this morning. You cannot ride on the curtails of everybody else and expect to walk in victory. You have to get this thing for yourself. You don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the most intellectual. You don't have to be the most whatever. You just have to be you. But you have to come to a place where you fall down like Jacob did and simply say, I will not let you go until you bless me. What he was simply saying is this. Your word said you wanted me to go back to the place of promise, and I'm doing that. But all of this other stuff's going on in my life. And after he was broken, he grabbed a hold with everything that he had, and he simply said, all night long he wrestled. He just held on. There's been a lot of times I didn't know what to do, so I just held on. Maybe you don't know what to do today in the natural. Just hold on. Maybe you don't know what to do. When you see everything that's going on in the nations of the world, just hold on. You see your family making all kinds of crazy decisions that you wish they'd make different, and you don't know what to do because it don't seem like they're listening. You just hold on. But that's not all you do. You begin to persevere began to pray I'm not saying you have to pray three hours you can be like Smith Wigglesworth don't ever really pray over a half hour at a time 
but just don't ever go a half hour without praying, okay? Just hold on. Just keep praying. But as you begin to pray, here's where we have to get back to. Lord, I yield myself. And Lord, I position myself to receive all that you have for me. And Lord, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit just to dwell in me. And as you begin to just yield to that, I have found after many years Many years of trying to pray, many years of studying, many years of trying to attain spiritual knowledge and setting in hundreds of conferences and preaching hundreds of thousands of messages myself. I found the greatest thing that I've ever been given is the gift of the Holy Ghost to come. And when I've finally just yielded to it, Can I be just very transparent and honest with you today? And I mean no disrespect by what I'm getting ready to say. I don't even know if I should say it, but I'm just going to be this honest about it. I was raised in a pastor's home. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay? I was raised in a different time than this generation's been raised. I was raised in the generation of a Martin D28 and a blue hard case where they'd stand and sing. I was raised in a generation when I sat on a platform at four and five years old with a Yamaha guitar and I only knew G, C, and D and I didn't care what they sung in, that's what I was going to play because that's all I knew. I'm sure they loved me then. I was raised in a generation I can remember one time been a very young boy wanting my father so bad crying for him that as he was preaching because I hadn't saw him I hadn't spent no time with him he came and grabbed me and he preached the rest of his message and he held me in his arms but also was raised in a generation when I saw a lot of stuff people would shout and run the aisles on Sunday but then I'd see them treat my daddy and my mommy like garbage And I'll be as honest to say this. I said, if that's what the Holy Ghost is, I don't ever want it. I don't ever need it. And that's been a struggle in my life. Until just a few years ago. I'm all alone with Jesus. And the sweetness of his Holy Spirit came and captivated me in a manner that I'd never known before in my life. And it's been the sweetest journey that I've ever taken. But it's taken me to nearly 50 years of age in my life to where I've been able to yield to him in such a manner where I can do the very thing that I'm trying to teach you of this morning where I can just yield and say, Holy Spirit, just pray through me. Speak through me. And when I don't know what to do, 
sometimes I just get in my car and I just begin to drive. And I just begin to let the Holy Spirit just flow. And there's groanings and utterance of the Holy Ghost that begins to pray. I can't explain it other than this that I feel a supernatural strength and power come into where I am. And when just a few moments before I was weak and battered and not able to go, all of a sudden I stand in strength saying, God, you are more than able. I got to tell you this morning, there's a lot of people in the church, especially in America, that's in a state of weakness today. And it's because they've not yet experienced. Church, hear me. You don't get a super spiritual status and then receive the gift. You don't earn it. But it's when you yield your life or the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in such a manner. The greatest thing that I've ever been given by God outside of salvation is the ability to pray in the Spirit. Young people, hear me. When you get to a place where you don't care what it sounds like, where you don't care what people may think or say or do, and you just lay between the porch and the altar and just tarry and say, God, I'm here. Sometimes it just begins with a little bit of praise and adoration. Then you're swept away. And you won't have a struggle with the 30-minute prayer or a 15-minute prayer because you'll find yourself after a large amount of time has passed and you're still just laying in his presence. Why is that important? It's because it begins to realign the heavenlies. Open heavens are created. Demonic resistance is removed. And the Holy Spirit of God begins to fight on our behalf. So this morning, is there anybody in this room that's willing to persevere in prayer? Is there anybody in this room today that say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me? Today, we got to begin to fight in the spiritual realm for a generation. I'm going to ask you to come and join me right now as a season of prayer. If you're here today and you need a, you need, you need a healing in your body, I want you to just pray. I want you to just believe. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you today. You just need to begin to pray and say, God, I claim that which you have for me. I walk in that which you have for me. Can we just call out to the Lord for a few moments today before we leave? If you want special prayer, we'd love to pray with you, pray for you. But let's persevere this morning. Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you, and continue to follow us. And we love you, and God bless you.